really talks about the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, you find that in Matthew chapter 5, 6, 7, as well as uh, Luke. And you'll find some of, thank you, Sister Carolyn. You'll also find those Beatitudes, um, those blessed are, blessed are in Psalms, Galatians, the book of Revelation, and some other places. So it's not just in the Gospels, but you'll find them Old Testament, New Testament, because as a, with everything, God confirms his word. If you see the text of scripture in one place, God will reveal that in another place. It's that twofold confirmation the Lord gives for, for everything. Um, I think everyone has clipboards. This session, as with all of them, are going to be recorded, and they'll be posted online for anyone that could not attend or would like to go back and re-listen to the sessions again and again and again. There's a lot of detail that will be given in all three sessions. So take advantage of, uh, of doing that online. Um, if you'd like to go revisit those and rehear those or hear the other sessions for the other speakers that are going as we speak. Uh, I'll read our opening text and then we'll start with some prayer. Luke chapter 11, verse 28. Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. And that's our charge in 2021, to hear the word of God and to keep it as a precious treasure within our bosoms. Let's uh, start with prayer for the three sessions, for our offering, uh, and for a host of people in need. Sister Pam Fee, Sister Ginger Gilbert, Brother Gilbert, um, a host throughout the house uh, that uh, have need of being held up by the church. We are our brother's keeper, and we must bear each other's burdens and What's the scripture say? So fulfill the law of Christ. That's our charge. Uh, so let's start with prayer. And uh, does anyone have any needs that you'd like included before we started? Family members, friends? Sister who? Jones. Brother Sister Jones. Okay. Okay. Okay, um, if we're good there, let's go ahead and uh, start prayer. Lord, we, uh, we come into your house tonight with the full assurance of you. Confidence, God, that you are and that you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we might ever ask or think according to your glorious power that works within us. And as with all things, God, we want to be careful that we admonish and we do and perform your word and your work, that first love every step and every day of our lives with these three sessions that are going right now lord over the next uh, over the six weeks i ask you to cover each of the sessions allow those that are teaching and those that are are listening and participating to demonstrate and to receive the word of god that it might be sown in our hearts that we might not sin against you let your word lord have the preeminence in every part of our life we call on you, Lord, between a porch and an altar that you would cover us in your blood. Wash us of every sin. Cleanse us of every iniquity. If there be anything in any of us contrary to holiness or sound doctrine, God, show us the error of our way and tear it out of us as it were a deadly cancer. We call on you, God, to have your way in the deep places of our hearts and our minds. We sit at this place, Lord, between a porch and an altar, surrendering everything we have before we before you because we know you are lord for us and not against us we understand in your word 
that you said, Lord, being confident of this very thing that he hath, that hath begun a good work in you is able to perform it unto the end. And we know you called us into this gospel. You called us into the truth, this truth. And you, God, are able to keep us with the mounting health issues through the house. Sister Pam, hallelujah. Sister Ginger. Sister Delaphine Webb, Lord, all these, Lord, Brother Gilbert and on, the Brother Sister Jones, all the needs, Lord, you know. You know the frailty of our flesh, and you know, God, the doctors practice medicine. That's all they're doing is practicing. But you are the great physician, and there is nothing. He cut out about the high knew too hard for you. You, God, are able to heal the brokenhearted. You, God, are able to heal the wounded in spirit. There is no disease too hard for you, God, to, to make a base and destroy and cast away. There is no sickness, God, that you cannot heal. I call on you, Lord. Lord, between a porch and an altar that you, God, would hear. Hear these needs, Lord. These names that have so desperate need that you, Lord, would have compassion in their life. And I am persuaded in this house right now that the hearts of the people, Lord, have many more names that have great need. And I ask you to hear, hear the hearts of your people, Lord. All those that weigh on the sons and daughters of God, you know the situations and you know, Lord, life and all that comes against us god we ask you lord for compassion and mercy as a father has pity upon their on his children i ask you to have pity upon us as a father has compassion lord have compassion on us have your way in every part of our lives before i teach one word of this lord i ask you to anoint my lips and tongue I desire, Lord, and you know my heart and mind, that every word that comes out is what thus saith the Lord. Nothing of anything else but just your word. So I ask you for free course to seize control and speak as you would have me speak. And where I should hold my peace, Lord, put a watch before my lips. That your name, God, would be exalted in all things. Lord, we surrender before you. Everyone say in Jesus' name. Praise God. A few weeks ago, it was discussed, me doing a series, and we, um, we thought about extending the Job series because I just didn't, there was no way to get Job accomplished in three weeks. It just wasn't even realistic. And I found myself in the third lesson trying to cram so much into it that uh <clears throat> We were going to do a six-week on it simply because just three weeks isn't enough, and maybe we'll do something like that a few years down the road. But it felt good in the Holy Ghost for the season we're in today, right now, that Beatitudes would be much better fitted for the state of the church today, the issues of life today, and so forth. Um, so that's where we are with the Beatitudes. When I first began this, um, actually that day that Brother Darren and I talked, before the sun set, before I went to bed, I had to text him and told him, I don't think I can do this in six weeks. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, I think we need to break this into two sessions. And he, uh, he, he agreed with me, we need to break it into two sessions, so I'm going to do one session on what must I do to be saved and one on Beatitudes, and Beatitudes now, and then in August, I'll do what must I do to be saved. Um, 
when I get to August, just so you have a glimpse, we're going to talk about who is God. We're going to talk about the two great commandments, the Ten Commandments, the plan of salvation. We're going to talk about abominations that are rarely talked about in the world. You know, we talk about a couple things here and there, but there's, if I remember right, over 140 scriptures about abominations. It's much wider than just two or three or four abominations, and there's things we don't hear about. We'll talk about that. We're going to talk about the Nicolaitans and the deeds of the Nicolaitans that God hates, things we should avoid. We're going to talk about the three reoccurring detours that cause people to lose faith and trust in God. And then in that series, we'll talk about how to overcome in this life and how to overcome our flesh that we might make it to heaven, having made our calling election sure. The Beatitudes really should have been part two of the series, but like I said, I felt like this season we're in, Beatitudes was more fitting. Both series have a goal driven by intimacy and relationship with God. And that's really going to be the premise of the six weeks. What I'm going to do here and then in August is intimacy with God, relationship with God, founded on the text. What does thus saith the Lord? Um, to echo something Pastor Darren said recently, a person who's in love will go to great lengths to nourish that person they're in love with. You know, before you get married, you go to great lengths to court and to woo that person because that is who you are in love with. It's your husband-to-be, your wife-to-be. And it's the same with God. You know, our, this is like a little rabbit trail, so please forgive me. Relationship with God is just that way. You know, you fall in love with God and God's invisible, but we have to court him and woo him, and that's through prayer and worship and praise and those things. And if a person falls in love with God, then there's no commandment too hard for them. Because when you become in love with someone, you start changing and adapting to that person. You know, if there's any couples I had stand up, you would probably give witness that before you got married, maybe you liked this a little bit more, but once you fell in love with the love of your life, you started changing some of those things and you began loving the things that your spouse loves a little bit more than what you loved before. It's the same with God. The more we grow in intimacy and relationship with God, the more the things we thought were important to us, they just fade. They don't mean quite as much as they used to mean because we've fallen into a deep relationship. We've fallen in love. And the more in love we fall with the Lord, the more time we spend with him. The more our heart becomes what the word of God says, a heart of flesh, a heart of flesh that we can be shaped and molded by the potter. The potter who's the lover of our soul. The potter, God Almighty, who is our first love. God Almighty, who is your first love. In this series during March and April, we'll discuss the Beatitudes, or the attitudes that a Christian should have and follow. This is the Sermon on the Mount. And it can be summed up as inward holiness that overflows to all around you. Because whatever is on the inside of you will always come out. Out of the abundance of the heart, 
the mouth speaketh. Whatever is in here will always come out. If you're speaking fears and doubts and confusions, it's a check of your heart. God gives us hints in his word. No man knows, but God knows the heart. We know by the scripture that whatever you say gives an indication. If your words are always, I love you, God, and it's always faith, and it's always trust, and it's always seeking him, that gives you a really good indication that that is flowing from your heart, the tables of your heart. So it's a two-fold, a two-edged sword there. Mm. If you really come down, it really comes down to our attitudes. And an attitude can be good or bad depending on the person's motives and intentions. Think about your interactions in life. How many in here drive a car? How many in here are dads, moms? How many are sons? How many are daughters? We got everybody, okay? We're all human. There can be many interactions every day, every hour, and even every minute. So for your consideration, I wanted to pose a scenario to you. Four situations all happening simultaneously to kind of give us a reality check of what life is about and how we deal with life or handle it. Maybe the car in front of you has a driver who obviously has never driven a car ever in their life. <clears throat> Somehow, that car in front of you, the person just appeared in the driver's seat, no driver's license, no training, no nothing. They just, they're there. They have no idea what a turn signal is, they don't know in Texas the right lane is for passing and not Sunday drives. Praise God. At the very same time, you get revelation that your child in the back seat must be doing some type of top secret experiment, a psychological experiment for the government. Okay? This is real. Okay? This is what's happening to you right now. For they seem to always find a way to get on your very last nerve and then jump up and down on it. Then they act as though it's your fault you're frustrated with them, only to further that government experiment, of course. At the very same time, you're made aware that you're in a NASCAR race against the driver who's right behind you, for they are evident, evidently a professional race driver. They are trying to get ahead of you at all costs so they can win some great prize. They're mad and sharing sign language because it is somehow your fault I know, this is real life. They're mad and sharing sign language because it is somehow your fault that the diesel is on the left of you and the Winnebago's on the right so they can't pass you to win this race. This is real life, right? In the midst of all this chaos, your phone falls to the floorboard and is under the brake pedal. Okay? But if we look on the brighter side, you can't slow down now. You might win the race, okay? Is that good? It's comical to think of these, but this is real life. 360 degrees we have around us. You got left, right, all the peripherals, up, down, every single angle, something can come against you. Something can come towards you. 
every angle, every vantage point, as long, this is really important, as long as you interact with people, you always have to deal with the many types of personalities, conflicts, and attitudes. Some good and some not so good. Even if you follow the example like John the Baptist who went to the wilderness separated from everyone on the planet. Or maybe you followed Moses and went to the mountain 40 days, no food, no water. And for those in the 21st century, that means no phone, no electronics, no pillow, no bed. How many are willing to give all that up for 40 days? Did I say no food, no water too? Okay. You'll still have to deal with you. You know, the Beatitudes, well, this deals with how we act and react, not just to other people, but to God. How we act and react in the realms of how we behave ourselves. You know, if you get someone cuts you off in the car, do you get upset and frustrated or do you pray that they don't kill someone? If you're in a plane and a baby's just relentlessly crying and won't stop, you can't get away from it. Do you get frustrated and upset or do you start asking God to bless the baby and let the baby have rest? It's the approach we take, good or bad, right or wrong, how we handle the situations of life, not just externally with what comes out of our mouth and our words, but how we handle those issues of life with internal, because as a man thinketh, so is he. You can be thinking rage on the inside and having that fake grin and trying to put on a, I'm a Christian, I love you, you know, you know what I mean? Anyone ever done that maybe? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> but this is real life, right? And that was really, you know, this series, I wanted to get down into the weeds real life issues we go through junk the boss is mad at you wife won't give you kisses anymore job and his poor wife man oh man the issues well I'll back up just a minute even if you did a moses even if you did a john the baptist you're still gonna have to deal with you how, what are you going to do about yourself? <clears throat> because as long as you're in the equation, you have to deal with humanity. As long as you, brothers and sisters, are in the equation, you have to deal with your stinking, rotten flesh. And I did do the Brother Darren, so I got three fingers pointing back. Okay? <laughs> I didn't do the military point like that. Okay? Something we as Christians should keep in mind and I'd like to dwell here just a little bit, especially Christians, for we are supposed to be an example to the world. Every single person in this world is trying to make it through life just like you. One day at a time, one step at a time. And then there are those times when all you can do is stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Just as you have good days and bad days, your neighbor that you don't get along with has good days and bad days. Just as you have highs and lows depending on what is coming against you, so does your boss who may not talk to you real kind. 
Or maybe you've got a family member who is contentious, a little bit hard to deal with. They're trying to go through life just like you, one day at a time. And we as Christians have to take the higher ground. Even if the whole world is opposed to you, even if no one can relate to you, even if there's no one you can trust and talk to, you have an obligation as a Christian to demonstrate the love of Christ. I heard a story several years ago about a, this, is, this would be like one of those days when they used to have paper boys on the streets. Anyone remember that? Okay, there's a few. In the old days, before there were cell phones, okay, <laughs> before there was internet and blossoming everywhere, they used to have what was called a newspaper. It's this piece of paper with news on it, okay? <clears throat> and there used to be these boys sitting on the street corners selling these newspapers. There was this Christian man who was with his friend and walked by this newspaper boy and said, I'd like to get a newspaper. And the newspaper boy just snarled and growled. He said something like, how are you doing? Good day. And he just snarled and growled. And he tried to talk to him. And the boy was just angry and rude and cruel. And uh, he said, are you going to buy a paper or what? And he said, yeah, yeah, I'll buy a paper. And he bought a paper and he moved on down the road. And his friend asked him after he left, he said, boy, that boy was something else. Bad attitude and everything. He, and he said, yeah, he's like that every day. I go there every day. He's like that every single day. And he said, well, why do you keep going? Go somewhere else. He said, because God didn't put me here to react to him. God put me here to demonstrate to him. Does that make sense? That's our role. Okay. In business, they teach what's called conflict management to try to overcome differences between people, personality, generational differences, and so forth. Uh, and I think everyone here, we've got a lot of different generations, so we know one generation has one thought process where another is another, so there can be conflict because they don't see things the same way. Not that one's right, the other one's wrong. Generationally, there's differences in how people think and act and react. That's just life, okay? For saints, we don't need a conflict management course to know how to deal with the issues of life and people. You ready? We need a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. We need to be renewed in how we think, act, and react. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay. The issues of life, brothers and sisters, have robbed some of their faith and faithfulness. I'll say that again. The issues of life have robbed some of their faith and faithfulness to God Almighty. The places where, well, I feel like I'm rabbit trailing so many times, and please forgive me. The places where we used to be strong in our faith, maybe you used to do what the Bible says, pray without ceasing, give thanks for all times, but something happened at one point, and you don't quite pray as much as you used to. Maybe at one point you fasted on a regular basis and something has happened and that's just slipped and it's not quite what it used to be. For some, the joy of the Lord was there, but the issues of life, the cares of this life, the, the cruelty of life has zapped the joy of the Lord. 
I pray in Jesus' name this series rekindle a passion and fire for the Almighty. That the old things that God sowed in can grow and flourish. Something I pray very often for the church, for you, for me, is that the things that we, three fingers back, the things that we are doing right according to this, that God would strengthen those evermore and keep them evermore, what we're doing right, the holy things of God. And the things that we are falling so utterly short and we're failing beyond belief, that God would help us overcome those and overcome those now. Strengthen what's good and save us from what's wrong. Show us what's wrong within our members because if, if we're blind, how do we know and see? If we think this is the new norm, I don't remember the last time, I'm way off in a rabbit trail, I don't remember the last time I heard in church the Holy Ghost laugh or saw someone drunk in the Holy Ghost. We're a Pentecostal church. We should put some chandeliers in. You know what I mean? We have lost some of the basics of who we are and our core values. That I, oh, if I, if I could get this out to where it clicks, that I'm praying that it resonate and it strike a fire within us that can never, ever be quenched. We okay? I'm still on my introduction. People you thought you could trust have let you down. Maybe they talked about you behind your back and maybe even called their gossip revelation from God or spiritual, but it wasn't. It was backbiting cloaked as being spiritual. Men and women, men and women thinking themselves to be some great spiritual thing. And I've got a rabbit trail here for many years it has been very apparent and evident that spiritualism is an attack from the devil to cause men and women to think themselves to be something more than what they are. Those who were in the Job series know I shared a story about a group of saints that had all had the same thought about a backslider in church. Every one of them, the exact same thought that that backslider had broken the church and done this and that and the end outcome, every one of them were wrong. Even though they had the unity of the same thought, quote unquote, it wasn't from God. We have got to be careful about not judging fruits and us not being the almighty. We are not God. We're just dust of the earth. This one thing about the enemy trying to get men and women, adult and youth, to be lifted up in themselves is something we have got to be very careful about. When we get into August, I'll talk a lot more about this, but there's three things that can rapidly send us to hell. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. The same thing Sister Eve in the garden was tempted with, those exact same things. You'll see the same things throughout the Bible all the way to Revelation, end to end. 
lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. The most deadly three things that can so quickly separate us from the love of God. Us. What's he say? What can separate us? Nothing. The only thing he didn't say was your past. We can get in the way of our relationship with God. We have to be careful. And then we have to know, I'm a veteran. I don't know how many veterans we have in here. But when I went in the military, they were very diligent to give us the right gun, the right equipment. We got shot. We had flak vests. We had a Kevlar helmet. Army of more things than I can tell you about. There's not enough time. But they equip you, very well equip you, and they train you not just how to fight, but they train you how to know your enemy. And maybe that's one of the reasons God was so compassionate to draw me in here because veterans who were trained for combat had to know their enemy. You had to know what kind of vehicles they drove. You had to know what kind of clothes they wore. You had to know their language, how they talk. You had to know. We, as children of God, have got to be wise stewards to understand the devices of the enemy. Because if you know your enemy, not to be apart, but to know what to look out for, you can avoid those pitfalls that can derail you from the purpose and will of God Almighty. Is this okay? That was all rabbit trail. So, wait, I guess I should pay attention to time. Because those who know me know I can't stop talking about Jesus. Think of that, Brother Jason Neal has called me out on that a couple of times. But I appreciate that because I need to be kept in check and kept uh, appropriate. Know your enemy. When you feel like you have some great wisdom greater than all the other men and women of the church, you don't. It's more than likely this stinking rotten flesh or the enemy trying to get you lifted up in yourself. So I'll, I'll move on so I don't sit there too long, so please forgive me. We are all but dust to the ground. And while we don't know everything, we can be sure that the Lord knows the truth of all that is at all times. There are no secrets that you or I have. God knows when you lay down your head what you're thinking. God knows what you're dreaming. God knows when you wake up, do you get up and pray? Do you get up and worship him? Or do you get up and do whatever? There's no secrets. You can go to the moon God's there. You can go to the deepest oceans. God's there. There's no place to hide. But a saint would never want to hide from God. For us that remain pressing toward the mark of the high calling, there is hope from this wicked world that's so full of devices to try to derail us. Job chapter 14, verse 7 through 9 for there is hope of a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth, and the stalk thereof die in the ground, yet through the scent of water it will bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. I share this for as long as there is life in the body, as long as you've got life, air, there is hope of resurrection. There is hope of eternity. You're in here today, there's hope. It isn't gone. If you were gone, apostatized, I promise you, you would not be in the church today. Everyone that's under the sound of my voice, there's hope. As we, I'm still in the intro. 
As we dissect the Beatitudes over the six weeks, there'll be much revelation about the true and even duality of meanings to text because there are several texts that have a meaning that's in the natural and a meaning in the realms of the spiritual, eternity. We'll discuss how the Lord shows us to act and react, meaning how to respond and demonstrate as a Christian to the many diverse issues of life when your good is called evil. We're going to talk about what is prayer and how to pray, along with some discussion for petitions, supplications, and intercessions. We're going to talk about what is fasting and the two types of fast from the Bible. We're also going to talk about fasting pitfalls. And those are things where we start fasting and man, our stinking rotten flesh rises up. We, you know, issues, junk, and then we, we cave in and we give up on our fast way too quick. And then when we give up on it, we get discouraged, and then we're not going back into fast, or we're not as quick to fast. Um, and we're going to talk about how living by the Sermon on the Mount can cause you to be perpetually blessed. In this series, we'll discuss some real-life examples as well as have several testimonies. Because we're going to talk about prayer and fasting, um, I'm going to share several things personally that God has allowed me to go through and allow my body to keep working, if you will, through prayer and fasting. I'm going to show you, I'm going to talk about some visions, dreams, some hearing, audibly hearing the still small voice of God. Uh, times I've physically seen angels, more times than I can count. Uh, I'm going to talk about those things that I've seen through those times as a witness and testimony because I've actually gone through it. I've endured it. And I'm no expert for anything, but... Once again, something, something Pastor Darren said Sunday, you know, our examples, that was real life examples. Well, I already, had already had mind to do this. And when he said that Sunday, I was just echoing that in my spirit because I'm going to give you real examples that a real life human being has gone through that you can look at. You know, it's, we can look at the scripture and we believe God, but it's sometimes we need to see someone and know, you know what, they have done this and God did keep them and sustain them. And God's no respect for a person. If he did it for Brother Tex, he can do it for me. So anyway, I'll, I'll be giving some testimonies about prayer and fasting and some things like that. Uh, and I'll try to be really careful with your time. So I won't share everything, of course, but I'll share some things that I feel like could be beneficial as the Lord guides me. In this series, uh, this is a lifestyle series, meaning just as you came to church today, no one had to ask you to come. You know, no one had to force you, twist your arm behind your back and say, we're going to church, buddy. You came because it's who you are. You had a desire, something, whether it be a mustard seed of faith or a great amount of faith, you wanted to be in the house of God. If God so graciously allows you to have a paycheck, you don't have to think about it. You just return the tithe. Do you know why? Because it's in your DNA. It's who you are. If it's time for prayer meeting, you just go to prayer meeting. If it's time for church, you just go to church. If it, you, you receive a paycheck, God's so merciful, you just return the tithe. It's, no one has to force you. It's your DNA. It's your who you are. You can be sure that if one would live by the principles the Lord gave in the Sermon on the Mount, they can overcome. This is so good. I hope someone really, I hope this gets revelation not now. If not now, then when you're midnight or 2 a.m., I hope someone really grasps what I'm about to say. You can be sure that if one would live by the principles the Lord gave us in the Sermon on the Mount, they can overcome and keep a right heart and a right spirit at all times. 
the mountain, the valley, the good, the bad, while being a witness all this while to a lost and dying world. You can be sure, boy, rabbit trail, rabbit trail, rabbit trail. The world is watching how you act and react. How do you handle the issues of life? You know, you, you think, you might think it's, it's just me. I'm going through this. I'm dealing with this. I'm going through this. It's not just for you. Sister Ginger, I'm going to pick on her. She's not here. She's going through a whole mess of stuff. But it's a witness to every doctor. It's a witness to every nurse how her and Brother Darren carry themselves, their composure in keeping it together. It's a witness to the power of God within them. It's the same for you and I. When you go through issues of life, if I, if I give you a dollar bill or I, I give you a thousand dollars, you're going to relate and respond the same way, temperate, because a Christian's temperate. Whether good comes or evil comes, you're temperate. And you understand the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, as Job says. If God decides that your marriage doesn't need to be anymore and your wife leaves and your kids all forsake the faith and your health goes and God casts you into jail, allows that, all that to happen, praise God. Is that good? If God takes all your health to the point you're so sick, you're throwing up every day, and he lock, has you locked up in prison, not has it, but allows it to happen, and you lose everything, your job, your home, your cars, your family, every single thing, praise God anyhow. Is this good? How many of you talk a good game, but you're not sure about putting your money where your mouth is? We, we used to sing a song, and those who are singers will probably rebuke me or correct me, and I hope you do. Something like, anywhere you lead me, anything you want me to do, something like those lines, I'll do anything you want. I'll go anywhere you want. Are you sure? Are you sure? Because sometimes we talk a good game, and that's, you're exactly right. The spirit's willing, the flesh is weak. So we've got to be ready at all times for whatever may come because the world is watching you for how do you deal with the issues of life. Brothers and sisters, you can win souls, meaning win them in their flesh, by the Beatitudes being a core value of your everyday life, core values that open the door to witnessing to the glory of God. The word blessed, blessed, we talked, a couple of us talked about this before church. Is it pronounced blessed or blessed? And I guess the context may be the appropriate way to say that. How is it used? But, um, but blessed means to kneel and to bless God as an act of adoration for him. So blessed or blessing comes twofold. We bless him, he blesses us. It's two-way street. The vice versa of that for mankind is to be blessed, meaning God blesses us for our benefit, whether it be in the natural or the spiritual. The word bless is first mentioned in creation when the Lord blessed all that is in the seas and the fowl of the air, and when he blessed Adam and Eve, each time calling them to be fruitful and multiply. The Lord wants his church to be blessed, to be fruitful and multiply in the natural and in the spirit, to be healthy you can eat healthy all day long and be wretched on the inside. 
it does no you no good to have zero body fat if your heart's stony and hardened. Bodily prop, exercise profit a little? Okay. So, I got a time check. That's the end of my intro. <laughs> and we're 45 minutes in. That was my intro, Brother Dan. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I was trying to not go through so many rabbit trails, but I just, you got to follow the Holy Ghost. So I'm going to, I know we got 15 minutes, and I think I can get into the stage, setting the stage before the Beatitudes, and if we can get there, we can jump into Beatitudes next week. To set the stage before the Sermon on the Mount, we find in Matthew chapter 4 that Jesus had fasted 40 days and nights with no food. And after his fast was complete, then was he tempted of the devil of the three temptations. And Jesus, having prevailed in prayer and fasting and overcome the tempter, then he began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That is still the calling today of every minister, is repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then Jesus began calling the 12 apostles. We find in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 through 25, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And I'll let you study on this on your own, but sickness and disease are not the same thing. They're distinctly different among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people which were taken with divers. Divers means various diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those which had the palsy palsy being the par perilous paralyzed and he healed them and there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan do you want to know every scripture Every word, every period, every dot in this book has a specific purpose. The author of a book does not haphazardly put words and sentences and structures together. There's a purpose for everything. Matthew chapter 4 verse 25 gives us that revelation of the length of how far these people came to hear Jesus. Can you imagine if you needed to come to church tonight that you started in Sherman and you walked to church. Wait, we're having a special service, but you're in McKinney. Well, I better get on, my, get on my feet and start walking so I can make it to church on time. They walked great distances, miles and miles and miles. From Galilee, from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. These people were committed to hearing the gospel, they were committed to coming to church. They were committed to hearing what thus saith the Lord. This brings us to the Sermon on the Mount. Praise God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 2. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them. The significance of Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, verse 2, ties back to the order of the, order of the pulpit, which is Nehemiah chapter 8. talks about a pulpit of wood set above the people so that the people could see 
as he ministered. On one side were seven ministers. On the other side were six ministers. These 14 men ministered before the people. In, 2000, in this day and age, they call it round robin. In those days, it was just simply preaching. It, one man wasn't there to do it all, but he shared the burden with ministers. And they all had their place in their turn to minister the gospel for what? To cause the people to understand. That's the purpose of ministry within the church. And that's, that's the purpose and intent of Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Jesus went up into the mountain. He was at a place that people could see him. The disciples came unto him, and then he began teaching. And I think we have time actually to get into maybe one or two of the Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The word poor here means literally what it, what it sounds like. You think about someone who's low. Finan financially, things like that, they're just poor. They're it's someone lowered. Um, we talked, for those who were in the Job series, about the difference between a soul and a spirit. A soul is life in your body. That air in your body, a spirit is what's eternal. Hence, God is an eternal spirit. So when you think about poor in spirit, this is thinking more in the realms of, of not, the, not your natural air in the body, but the other spirit in the realms of eternity and so forth. Poor in spirit is comprised of several, several things when we think about the intellect of a person and the mind of a person. Those of low intellect and mental capacity who may not be able to discern times and seasons and what they must do to be saved, much less what is sin. When we think about Jonah, did not the Lord correct him when he had compassion on the gourd that fell away, but he couldn't have compassion on Nineveh were all these people who could not tell their left hand from the right hand. How many in here know what your left hand is? Is there anyone who doesn't know? Okay, praise God. Okay. But the point was, Jonah couldn't have compassion on those who could not, didn't have the mental faculties to go through life. You came up here today because you got yourself dressed, you maybe brushed your teeth, hope so, took a shower, hope so. You know, you know what I mean? You did those things of your own accord because you have the mental faculties to do it. Poor in spirit and, and encompasses those who don't have that. Think about those who are mentally retarded, completely lost. I was visiting a man um, several years ago, and when I was in the hospital room speaking with him, there was another man in the bed beside him. And this man, young man, probably mid to early, mid to late 20s maybe, he had had an accident and somehow lost in that accident complete function of every part of his body. The only thing he could move was his eyes. He could not move anything at all, and he was perpetually in that state. He couldn't speak. He couldn't tell you I'm hurt. He couldn't tell you I'm hungry. He could not do anything at all for himself. Completely dependent on someone caring for him. Can you imagine the mental state someone might be in not being able to care for themselves? That's really good, if anyone didn't know. Um, think about those who are not in the right mind due to things they have no control of. If we think about saint, a saint, son and daughter of God who has lived a overcoming life and is stricken with sickness and disease. 
and are severely affected by the side effects of medication. And, and anyone who's taken medication know that the warning labels give you this long list of if you take this, you could have dot, 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 dot. And if you take this medicine, you need to take this other medicine to counteract this medicine, and that medicine has side effects. So if you take the first one, it'll do this. Take the second one to, to stop the side effects here. Then you get a third medication to stop the side effects of the second medication. Anyone ever experienced that? If you ever read those labels, the side effects are crazy. Well, some of those side effects affect how your mind works, what you see, because you could see things that are not there and hear things that are not there because of the, that, those unnatural, unholy things the doctor is putting in your body. Praise God. <laughs> those who may not be in the right mind because of overwhelming deterioration in their health, those who are severely oppressed and afflicted, this is a poor in spirit. For those in their traumatized states have little to no ability to rationalize or stand on their own. Anyone have heard of post-traumatic stress syndrome? You ever known a saint that maybe has gone through something really traumatic and then they didn't know how to cope and deal with it because it was so overwhelming. They actually had PTSD because it was such a dramatic situation and trying to cope and deal with life can be difficult because triggers come in that remind you of this and that and then it rekindles again and again. Those severely oppressed and afflicted can't control their situation and environment. It's a God thing. There are some things you and I can control. You can go home, turn that heat on, or turn that air conditioner on, praise God. Okay. But if there's a chemical imbalance in the brain or something serious in an organ, you can't do anything about that. All you can do is pray and ask God, and it's God that chooses to heal, restore, or not, according to his will. I was sharing, actually right before this with a gentleman, we were just talking about you know sickness and disease and things like that. There's a place in the Bible in the New Testament where there was a man that was sick unto death and the church had prayed and prayed and prayed for him, and he was none the better. And Paul said, but God had compassion at the last minute, lest I would have had sorrow on top of sorrow. Sometimes God lets things be to test and try. Sometimes God lets some things be to see, just as he did for Abram, are you going to be faithful? He called Abram to do what? To sacrifice his son. He tests us at times. Not tempts us, test us. And there's a difference between the two. The Lord God Almighty bears these up under the shadow of his wings, for he knows they cannot stand on their own. And the Lord carries them through this life. The Lord carries the poor in spirit. In those times and seasons, they cannot carry themselves. This world has this whole footprints in the sand. The poor in spirit are probably the greatest example of who God carries in that footprint in the sand because they cannot carry themselves. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 2, For all these things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to the man, this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. Contrite means smitten, literally maimed or figuratively dejected. Dejected means cast down in spirits or thrown down and depressed. Depressed 
means low in spirits, sad, affected by psychological depression. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we are at three minutes till, and there is, praise God. Seeing how many pages, I don't think I can do that in three minutes. We will, when we come back next Wednesday, we will pick up at Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Uh, Brother Darren's not in here, right? Remember what I said? Nope. Okay. Remember what I said about the cards? If you'd like to bring my birthday card, uh, bring it this Sunday. Um, please, in Jesus' name, you know, keep those who are afflicted in prayer. You know, Sister Pam and the family, they're, they're just undergoing um, uh, something that uh, not every family has to go through. Uh, the Gilbert home going through something that not everyone goes through. You know, when I was thinking about this, this whole Beatitude series, you know, we're all a witness to the world, and I only know one family here in this local church that's going through what Sister Ginger's going through. I only know one family in this church that's going through what Sister Pam's family's going through. We may not go through the exact same situation in trials and afflictions and necessities, but everyone goes through something, everybody. And the faith of one to stand through it and to rise and to keep going builds faith for the other person. They made it. God kept them. God can keep me and get me through this mess. There's a young man that mentioned, I don't know, I think it was a few years ago, and I don't know if this was a study or what it was, but that about every five years people go through some type of crisis whether it be marriage or family or children, issues of life, you know, some type of major crisis. And, um, and that seems to be evident because I've, I've talked with a lot of people over the decades in that we all go through stuff. We're all human. We're all flesh. I need you, and you need me. You need your brothers. You need your sisters. And I know we're supposed to be stopping because we're at time, but this is a time and season we're in in 2021 for the church to bind together evermore. In January, wow, Brother Darren's not in here. I can just keep pushing. In January, the church pushed hard in prayer and devotion, hard in prayer. And in February, the church kept pressing, and we're into another March. We're into another month, March. That momentum, January, February, March, can carry us through this year and into next year and cause 2021 to be a year of growth and spiritual maturity like we have never known before. In our relationship and our intimacy with God, the things that were dead that shouldn't have died, God can resurrect those. The things that should be dead and they're dead, let them stay dead. You know? Praise God. Okay. Well, let's, uh, let's close with prayer. I love each and every one of you dearly more than, uh, more than words could ever say. I, uh, I need my brothers and sisters. Lord, we thank you for this, uh, 
this uh, breakout session. We thank you for your word that's able to save and heal and redeem. Your word that is forever settled in the heavens and there's no disannulling and there's no turn away. Your word is always true. From the very beginning, from the foundation of the world, you established it and it will not change and it will not turn to the left or the right, but your word will accomplish what you said it to from the beginning all the way to revelation until the day, God, that you call us back. You are sure and our confidence, God, is holy in you. Our trust, Lord, is only in you. We bind, oh God, we cleave, we cleave to your bosom because we know you are able to do exceeding abundance abundantly above all that we might ever ask or think. We cleave to your still small voice knowing that you're a father who is not afar off but a father who's calling come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy burdened. We cleave unto you God because we know you're a true at all times. We know you're a just and you God will never turn your ear away from your children. You God will never forsake your seed. They will never be begging bread but you God forever provide exceeding abundantly above all we might ever ask or think. Lord, we cleave to your word. We cleave to your bosom. As John, when you told him, you said, one of you has a devil. One of you is going to betray me. It was John that leaned upon your bosom and said, which one of them is it? Because he knew in whom he believed. It says, Job said, I know my Redeemer liveth. John believed and he didn't count himself as a, as a loss, but he counted himself as faithful because he was in love with you and he knew you loved him. And perhaps in 2021 perhaps we need a revelation of how deeply you love us Perhaps we need a revelation of how much you deeply care about every single one of us that we might have that and understand that and comprehend that. In the natural God, we have relationships where they all let us down, but God, you have never let us down, not once. We know in whom we have believed and we know you are true and faithful at all times let this word spoken be sown in our hearts let your word lord be sown as frontlets on our eyes let your word lord be sown as mufflers upon our ears that everywhere we go we see what thus saith the lord what thus saith the lord what thus saith the lord let our mind be transformed that we may prove that good and perfect will of god we desire you to guide us in the ways of holiness and truth. We desire you, Lord, to lead us in the past so much higher than what our minds and our hearts can think and rationalize. Let surrender overtake us to you. Let submission overtake us unto you. We need you, God, for every breath we take. We need you, God, for every step. We are about to end this session, and folks will go home. Some will go out to eat, and here and there, we can't do anything apart from you. There's not one good thing any man or woman in this house can do without you. And we ask you, God, to lead us and guide us. Lead us and guide us to a place so much higher than ourselves that we might do and be the children of light that you called us to be. Lord, we call on you and believe you in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. amen. I apologize for going over. Please forgive me. I am. Um, God's good. Be blessed. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord. In Jesus' name.